thank you once again for tuning in to year two of the Iconist podcast. And like usual, you know your host, but we're going to introduce ourselves once again. So I am the one, that, Barry Carter, but I go by Barry 3D for deep, dark, delicious, hey. And on my side, the man, the myth, the legend, the one that makes the tables rock to you got to jump, bump and grind. And ain't nothing wrong with that. Unless wrong with that. Gonna, don't go the R. Kelly road. But the man I'm talking about is my man, my cousin, my compadre, co-host, and best friend, the one and only Rod C. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome and welcome in. We're going to have a good day today. As usual, we're giving all the good preliminaries. We welcome themselves in. So now we just talk about uh, who, who's, who's our supporting cast. Who are people that we, we want to give those shout outs to? Let's do it. All right, we're going to run down the list real quick, right? So first of mm. all, um, support your comic books. So you got to support the comic books because the comic books keep it going, keep the industry going. So definitely, you got to go to Wild Comics out in Kitchener and Check Swings out on the South Shore. Tell Trevor or Wes, respective people at either one, we said hi on the Iconist podcast. So Wes over at Wild Comics, Trevor over at Check Swings. Tell them that you heard about the Iconist podcast. We said hi. Support the books. Two, uh, I'm on a part of another group there called Such a Great Matter. We have our shows, and we've been doing live shows, fundraisers, the whole nine yards all across Canada. Come out and see us live doing some stand-up comedy. Go home with a laugh and support a good cause. We're always supporting causes one with the other. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, the one who makes us look so pretty, the man that puts these templates together for us. If you need any kind of templates for a project you want to start, posters, anything for any kind of event, be it if it's got something you got to print out or you want to do online, you can only reach out to the one and only, who am I talking about, Rod? J-Bird Digital Art. Art, 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 art. J-Bird Digital, Digital Art. Arts. Let's go. The man you need to reach out to, and if you mm-hmm. tell me, that you heard about him on the Iconist podcast, he will give you a discount off the work. Oh, listen, save those coppers. Let's do it. More gas money back in your pocket. That's what I'm just saying. It's the Beijing way. It's the Beijing way. Let's do it. (laughs) And on that, it brings us to this wonderful thing. Now, as you see from the title, somebody might be going, what? Bill's listening. All right, here we go. On Iconist. The icon is Shade the Changing Man. What? Who's that? Good Who question. That? And I had that question too, Rod. See, <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, I did a show called Battlecom with Paul Ash, and that's another one you got to check out. And when I did Battlecom, they said, okay, you had to find a character who wore a vest and who wore it best. And people were going Han Solo and Marty McFly. And I came up with Shade the Changing Man. And one of the guys on there, who's going to be on here one time soon, turned around Zeus. And he looked at me and he went, who? (laughs) Excuse me. Which brought me to, this is the topic. Shade the the Changing Man. All right. Right? Now, I know a lot of you might be wondering the same thing, too. So we're going to get into it. We'll give you a little some backstory. So Shade the Changing Man was first published in issue number one of his own comic called Shade the Changing Man in 1977. <laughs> created by Steve Ditko. Why does that name sound familiar? <laughs> Steve Ditko was the artist. And, and with, you know, um, artist and a maybe part creator-ish, too, with Spider-Man. Um, he drew Spider-Man in the early issues he drew Doctor Strange anytime you see him with the hands and they're all kind of twist up and psychedelic looking that was Steve Ditko and he did a lot of other characters and comic books at Marvel and DC and at one point when he went over to DC he came and he drew and came up with Shade the Changing Man 
he's drawn and known for uh, developing the Creeper by DC Comics. Right. And also a big hand in Hawk and Dove by DC Comics. Just you can tell that we're on this DC comic kick because pretty much they need to help. <laughs> and we didn't show enough love in year one. So we're really coming out with force. But we're coming back to Marvel. So Shade the Changing Man came across in June of 1977. June, mm-hmm. beautiful month. <laughs> Long I didn't even see that. I didn't see that. I just saw it. Oh, saw the setup. Saw the setup. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> like a Mack truck. You saw it, but you just couldn't get out the way in time. I can't get out of the way. Look at the lights. Look at the lights. <laughs> <laughs> Maximum overdrive. <laughs> to the max. To the max. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love Big Jaw. Okay. Yeah. If anyone that don't yeah. know Big Jaw, you got to watch Oh, my gosh. Night. Big Jaw. Oh, my God. Lesbian homie. Funny. Funny stuff. Oh I mean, my this God. is not a paid thing with him. I wish I could work with him. This guy. Oh my God. Serious. I would love to have him on here. I would love to have him on the show. Oh, what? What? Listen, yeah. anybody yeah. who has that contact, have that connection, hit us up. Hit yeah. us up. Big job. Oh yeah, right on. Let's let's collab on something. Let's I would speak, love to do that. Let's, that guy. let's speak it into the atmosphere. Big job. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We'll hashtag on this one. He'd be like, what the heck? They'd be like, yeah, yeah big job. Yeah. <laughs> Him and Persephone and that whole and the whole damn crew is stupid. When they go on tour and do stand up, hey, I'm a stand up comedian. Big jaw, hit me up. Canadian connection. There we go. That's it. This character is called, uh, you know, the original Shade. So by by Steve Ditko, he's been around for a while, and his own original book only ran for eight issues. Now there was a ninth issue, but because of what was happening, there was kind of an implosion. A lot of things had to get cut. Right. So they stopped a lot of books suddenly without giving him a continuation. He still had a good uh, momentum. It had a good momentum. Yeah, that had a good momentum going on. Yeah, it had a good momentum going on, right? So that, that's for sure. Hold on, hold on one second. Let me just let me. So with, with that going on, let me just put you on pause for half a second here, people. Let me hold on. My bad, y'all. I had to stop this recording for half a second because I had a sneezing fit. My apologies. Here we go. <laughs> Allergies. <laughs> I know the season's gone, but you know a little bit of dust. In it. Okay, so that means. <laughs> So Shade, Shade came around. That's what he was. Steve did go turn around. Now the guy's real name, and the name was Hardcore too, right? His name is Rack hmm. Shade. Rock Shade. Rack Rock Shade. shade. Hmm. Rock, right? Rock Shade. Rock Shade. Uh-huh. Rock Shade. Rock Shade. Uh-huh. Wanna be your man, woman? What a beer, beer, right? beer, 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 beer. You hear that name right first on. of all. You're thinking this guy could be a rapper. That's a, that's a, like a, you know what I mean? That, that's like a Kendrick Lamar. That's a rack shade, rack shade, son. Rack shade, son. Mm. Right? That there is either gangster alias or rap star alias. Okay, yeah, yeah, rack shade. Not MC this and MC such and such. <laughs> rack shade. That's a wicked. Come on, we all like a star named The Rock, so slow it down, y'all. Mm. So in his line that he's been around in his first book, as I said, ran eight issues, nine issues, nine issues out there, but you got to look for it to find it. And the story with him is an issue one, page one, prison break. Right, right off the bat, right off the right bat, off the bat. Like, I mean, you don't even get an origin. All you know is he's in jail. <laughs> These prisoners break out. So you find out he's in a dementia called Meta. Has nothing to do with Facebook. But he is in the metaverse. Hmm. Good way of looking at it. 
Yep. Nothing to do with the metaverse. Got it. Huh. Next. Huh. Hmm. What huh. do you mean? What are you looking at? What are you thinking about? What are oh. you thinking? Well, uh, who's that boy that ran, who came up on Facebook there? Was it a, a Zuckerberg? Zucky? Yeah. Zucky? Yeah, Zuckerberg. We're looking at you, man, because um, mm. you got the metaverse. Mm. And DC had the metaverse in 1977. Mm. Who copyright who, son? You mm. might owe Steve Ditko some money. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I want to cut. We bring Give us a cut. Man, Steve, we on your side. <clears throat> so he's coming from the metaverse. And in the metaverse, it's, it's, you know, obviously they know about Earth. This is what's so interesting. So the first issue yeah. opens up, you read page one, it's a prison break. You see a bunch of prisoners make a machine and they jump out of prison. And when I say jump out, they really made a portal to go through other dimensions that tie into Earth. Uh, and then, and, and random them escape. So picture, you know, like that, that TV show, The Hundred, where there's people all over and, you know, you gotta, okay. there's one guy trying to get them all back. It's almost like, uh, you know, there's other shows that had that uh, that aspect where villains are everywhere or monsters are everywhere and one person's got to chase them down and capture right. them all one by one as he goes. When you realize that Rack is in there, he turns around and says, okay, there's a prison break. I have nothing to do with it. But he gets sucked into the portal into one of these dimensions. And you have different areas you can go through. And one of them is the area of madness. So in there, you see in his thoughts is right away, I was in prison. I was falsely accused. You know, I was framed for a crime I did not commit. <laughs> you know, and he goes, with my training, I'm going to get back to Earth to find the guy who was a lieutenant because I know what his alias was and what his mm -hmm. assignment was. So he goes through this dimension of madness, comes out the other side because it's a gateway. There's weak points in between the dimensions where you can go through and, and, and end up in other ones. Right. And he ends up on Earth in his apartment that he had set up. And you find out that he was a top um, secret agent. Secret agent mm -hmm. for his government. He was like the top agent, like picture of James Bond kind of thing. So he comes in the apartment and it looks like a normal apartment, but then you see him opening certain doors. He stands in the machine that changes as like a biorhythm, I guess. So it, it, it makes him more accumulated to the human atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And then he puts on the M vest. And it really is just like a, you know, like a one piece with no sleeves, you know, kind of speedo kind of thing, of course, because every superhero has a speedo look. Red with gold circles on it and connected with gold lines and he's got like gold patches on his arms and his legs. Mm -hmm. You can see, I'm going to put up a picture for sure so you always can see who it is. And he turns around and says, well, I got to find my lieutenant. But my lieutenant's assignment on Earth was to get in with criminals and he was even hanging out with gangsters. So I got to find him to help clear my name. Right. Right there. Three, three, four pages in prison break. Finally, he's a secret agent, goes back to his apartment that knew and knew about, and, and he moves on. Now, the question is, what was he accused of? Why was he already in jail? What was the sentence? Right? And they touch on it because you find out later on that in, still in the same issue, he has this one woman that's talking to, you know, uh, uh, her boss. Yeah, basically, yeah. Right? Do you know? Because, yeah, yeah in, that, in that sense, yeah, basically talking to her boss because she was the one that they're basically realizing, okay, Rack now has left, he has escaped. Because what point, a point that Barry is saying, that, you know, just like, just a, to dive in a little bit, when the criminals got pulled into that particular mid void, they basically were trapped right in there. And some of them didn't know what they were doing, they didn't know where they were, but Rack knew. He knew, ah, that's the portal for me to get to, to Earth, because they knew they were like, like in a, a negative zone, a mid zone in between. 
So all all the all the prison guards and all the warden and everything like that basically was able to go in and just retrieve all all the all the prisoners who made that escape through the the time zone in in, in the mid zone. But then when they went through the checklist, everybody said, everybody said, dang it! What? Rack's not here. What do you mean? Rack? 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 The most, most dangerous man out there? Yes. He is gone. We must hunt him down. So, it turned out to be like, um, we're going we to need to get someone to go get him. We know he went to Earth, but that was the only place we, we figured that he, he probably went to Earth. All right, we need to call in, we need to call someone to chase him down. All right, go. I'll leave this assignment to you. Not knowing that the person that brought who came to the forest was Mela, if I remember correct, her name yeah, is yeah. She came to the forest, the forefront, and she was assigned. She took the position to go and hunt him down. And at that part, we start to realize. Well, we start to hear there's some. You sure you want to do this now? Why is the the lead telling her that? Still, no. I need to get him. Yeah, emotional damage. Emotional and that's, damage. And that's exactly it. So, as a part, we'll find out is that the leader said, okay, you're going to go to Earth? No problem. You need to contact with our contact on the Earth side. Okay. So, now we flip to that side. Then, on that end, the, su the supervisor and I'm going to think, okay. We got we got warning that Rack is on this is on Earth again. Okay, they're gonna send their top their, their top lieutenant their top you know agent to hunt him down. Okay, when he comes through, we're gonna give him the dictation. We're gonna tell him what we know and everything like that. And then, someone appears. Okay, sir. Yeah. All right, sir. Well, that, sir, sir. Mila, what, what are you doing here? Um, I'm here on assignment. But but, but 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 you 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 know you're going off the rack. Yeah, but but that's your golly. Are are you okay to to go after your old your ex fiance? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, why? Well, but then that's when we find out the story that there was some back history between them, some bad blood. And what it turned out to be, is yeah, that. because from him he said he was framed for a crime that he didn't commit. From her, it's like you um. You, you killed my dad and crippled my, or yeah. you know, killed my dad and crippled my mom. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they're they're for life. Like she's paralyzed for life. I want revenge. So want Melu is a N agent, oh, which stands for a negate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's not there to bring him back. She's just <laughs> there to you know say he's not coming back. <laughs> He's off the checklist. Don't worry about him. Yeah, yeah. You got a free. You got an empty room. Use it wisely. <laughs> yeah, exactly what it is. So this is where that whole entry comes in because they're all saying, "Well, first of all, he was your fiance, and you know, there's a thin line between love and hate." And she hmm. was hating him hard. She wanted revenge for her family. She felt betrayed. She saw her family falling apart. The man she loved was the cause of it, you know, according to her from the evidence that she was given. The evidence was doctored, so they had videotapes. And, and they said, let's show you how far back it is. Eh? They're in a different dimension, but they got videotaped. So the videotape evidence showed, you know, and it was doctored and everything. So without, a, and, and even like Rack knew this. So this is why he said, I can't go back to Meta. I got to go and find uh, Kempo to clear my name. Right. And he's going after him. So he goes in his, his apartment. He puts on his M vest. Now, while this is all happening, one of the other criminals comes through the dimension also. And he's on Earth. And he's like, 
sweet. With my powers, I'm taking over. <laughs> you know, he oh, had this magic, this, this rod. I want to say magic, and that, and that's where it's going to get a little bit. You know, I'll explain myself when I, I elaborate on that real quick. Mm. How we see things on Rack's world in Meta is super science. How they try to portray things in my, and that's why I feel about it is somewhat magical. Right. And what I mean by that is you had that they had, they call the ORC, which was the occult, the occult research center, which was their front on earth. Mm-hmm. When Melu came through, <clears throat> she came through there. And when she comes through, she comes through in the back, she kind of teleports in and you have wizard who's in the front and he's there saying, Hey, He's talking to like just normal humans. They all think he's a human. He just has a very, what do I say, uh, extravagant beard, a look. And because of Steve Ditko's art and he doing the art for Doctor Strange, it had a lot of Doctor Strange elements, like how he drew the windows, um, you know, with the circles inside of it. So it really reminded me of Doctor Strange's inner sanctarium, right? And that's how it broke down to me. So this mm-hmm. is why, you know, it's, it's, and it's not because he did that intentionally. It's just his art style, right. how he drew buildings on it. So then when you're dealing with the ORC, to them, they, they know everything is dealing with science, and they're from another dimension. They're on Earth, and they're talking to people, and they're like, hey, if you see anything, any UFOs, anything out of the ordinary, phantoms, ghosts, don't listen to people saying they're not real. They are real. If you get proof, bring it to me. Hmm. Bring it here. We'll research it. They were like ghost hunters. And I and that was their cover, because first of all, people are like, oh, most people are gonna say, oh, you talking about ghosts, you being crazy, and would just avoid them. So it's a good cover. And then the ones that do believe them that they saw something, you here, we people on Earth might think we saw spooky, (laughs) but maybe it's someone coming through one of those dimensions, right? And that's how they keep track on it. So the way they come through. So when Rat goes and puts on his his vest, you know, he puts on his his M vest. Then he puts on like street clothes over that and he goes out there. He is walking and he's like, I know the M vest gives me certain powers. The M vest has a force field. It, it levitates. It, it helps right. me increase my strength a little bit. But mm-hmm. depending on the, the person's perception, state of mind, like their perception, their perception, it causes things to distort. So this is when you see him in the M vest, his head gets all kind of distorted, but it's the force field that distorts and, and makes part of his head look extremely big and the other part looks small. It, so he looks like he's almost changing into a demon. It almost looks like his parts, his arm gets like super big. So he has a normal hand, but us looking at him, you'll see his forearm start to distort. And it looks like he's got like, you know, one, one hand looks like Popeye and the other one is uber thin. And that's how he is. Mm-hmm. Because of people's perception when your when your anxiety goes up, your fear goes up, your anger, aggression, it, it changes your way your brain waves perceive certain things, and this is where it comes in that a whole occult thing because it's like, oh, I saw something that looked out of the ordinary. I could have maybe perceived it as what maybe a ghost, a demon. Right. And you report it to the ORC, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the stun ray. Yeah, we believe you. We're gonna. They were like trying to be like Ghostbusters as a right. cover to find out people coming from their dimension. That's how I perceived it and saw some stuff like that. It's like a man in black, basically. Yes. It's like it's like it's like it's like a version of the man in black, basically just giving cover stories like, yeah, that was uh, a helium balloon that exploded and sent off some kind of meth gas that just made you act a little funny. But don't worry everyone, you're quite all right. Don't you worry about it, people. <laughs> <laughs> 
You'll just be all right. Right. Thank you very much for your cooperation. Look into the light. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly what it is. So that was what made it really interesting with, with him. So when Shade goes in there and he goes at one point, he's looking for uh, Kempo. He mm-hmm. knows that Kempo is dealing with criminals and, and, and put himself into the criminal element to understand gangsters a little bit more and keep an eye on them. He goes in there looking for Kempo. Some gangsters see him. They, they rough him up. They take him. They tie him to the chair. And, you know, while they're interrogating him, the chair starts to kind of slowly rise up and he starts to distort and the chair is turning in different ways and his body's being all, like, I mean, really super deformed mm-hmm. from their perception. And they're freaking out and they're shooting at him. It's a force field. Bullets are bouncing off. Really? He breaks his bonds. Really? He gets out and threatens them. And he's like, don't you tell anybody. And that's why he always seems like half his face is always bigger than the other half. But I mean, you know, picture your head, put a line down the middle, and then make one half your face four times bigger than your, your normal size. It's just contort. This is a contort. You're just taking a fighter face and just pulling it like a plastic, like Mr. Fantastic or Plast- Plastic Man and pulling it out. Yeah, yeah. We'll just leave it like that. Right. We're all anime people. We understand. Of yeah. course, y'all get it. And that was, and that this is all issue one. <laughs> so this much is to all unload. Issue one. So much to unload. Let's go. Right. So the way I look at this, and the whole time, as I said, he's just trying to prove his innocence. So through the course of the story, even though it was short, it was like what short and sweet. The original run. The mm-hmm. our other runs after that, right. where he came back for a seventy issue run. Um, you know, and then he came back and he was a different person. It was like, you know, the 70 issue one run, he actually had his consciousness and he put it into a serial killer's body who killed this woman's family. But then she was still seeing people and she was the only one seeing them come through the dimension. So that was a whole different run, really well written. You mm-hmm. know, uh, it was by Vertical Comics and even in the beginning of the Vertical issue of number one of that volume two of say Shade the Changing Man, it says Vertical, Vertical Comics are the HBO of DC back then. And I'm Where's... talking like, this is before we're talking, you know, like late 80s, early 90s or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but then he had his own stories. But staying with the original, he goes through the course. He's trying to run his ex-fiance. He doesn't want to hurt her. He's trying to find Kempo. He finds out, you know, that, I mean, he finds the proof that he was framed. He mm-hmm. finally gets it. He gives it to, you know, to his superiors back. He makes it back to Meta. He gives it to his superiors. They look at it like, oh, geez, uh, this clears things up. You know, they turn around and talk to his ex-fiance and said, hey, you can't, you know, negate him anymore. Why not? He really was framed. And then she feels so much remorse about it that she chased him down and was ready to kill him. The whole time over false evidence. Right. She she was so remorseful that she didn't trust herself, and he still said, "Hey, I get it. I understand. We're good now. He's a bigger man than me." So <laughs> you know, there's one thing about getting divorced. It's something about if someone's trying to kill you constantly, month after month. Hey, it sounds it sounds like another you know another adaptation of uh, the Fugitive, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it had Fugitive vibes. It had like uh, the occult vibes. It had science mm-hmm. fiction. And, and this is it had a lot of things that spoke to me and then at the same time when we're going you find out the person that he's trying to bring down is this big boss you know the main villain is really from meta mm-hmm. and the villain's name is uh uh i guess suede s-u-d-e or sued however you want to Sweet. pronounce it 
Well, sued. Sued? I think I took it as sued. Right. And, and sued is, have you ever watched the movie The Wiz when Michael Jackson and, uh, and Diana Ross, you right. know, at one point you go to see The Wiz and he's just a big head and flames coming out, but there's a little person behind it. That was sued. There was a big head, like arms, like a big brown head and just right. arms. And then you find out that, and, and Rack finds out that sued, who's his master criminal villain on Meta, is his ex-fiance's mother, who's a politician. The twist. The twist. <laughs> so it's like, hey, honey, love you. Know you've been trying to kill me for the longest time. Here it is. I'm free. I'm innocent. It all is good. I forgive you. By the way, can you can, can we talk? <laughs> the yeah. person behind me getting framed was your mother. And it's like, and, and first people are looking, it's like, no, it can't be because she's a paraplegic. But of course, in the day of super science that they have there on Meta, they just put her into this body and she's able to speak and move and have her thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, Projecting and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's funny. So, Rod, what, what, what was your take on Shade the Changing Man? I Listen, it is an interesting one because this is definitely, more or less, I was definitely covering the original, the original one from 1977. Right. And checking that tape. And it was all about the action of, I keep going back with Fugitive because the majority of this, a majority of this run is, again, him definitely trying to clear his innocence. But he's yep. not a, it's not like a standalone guy. This guy is basically getting himself into a lot of situations when he is going to the criminal element, dealing with these, um, the criminal mind, you know, <clears throat> criminal thieves and everything like that in the background to find, to find the answers. He's making sure that he is, um, he's, he's fighting his way through. He has his, he has his M, his M vest and he's basically using that to the fullest ability, flying around, floating around, having protection, you know, it's, it was a very, it was a very interesting take of a character that you like. Hmm. Until someone actually put these type of uh, characteristics together individually, if you hear it, it just sounds okay. That's just very interesting. But once you actually have it panning and, and flowing out, it's like, oh, this actually you can see the elements of why this could be part of. Again, I'm starting to pull stuff. From right. you, you're starting to pull that men in black type of like saying, "Yeah, you whatever you thought you saw, don't worry about it." No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. Nothing. You didn't see nothing. You weren't here. Type of <laughs> scenario. Droids are looking for. <laughs> exactly. So I, I was thinking. I, I was taking in and realized, like, okay, this is this is a nice this is a nice character. This is a nice character. So I can live with that. I can work with that. Yeah, I see. That's, that's what I said. There's a lot of elements. So as you, you hit on it right away. Um, he was like the fugitive, got that element. Mm-hmm. The science fiction aspect, aspect. you know I love that. Right. The, the occult aspect of how they're trying to play off the science fiction in that world and, and bringing in different dimensions and anything mm-hmm. comes through that way. So I feel that they could have done this more with a, a darker tone. I mean, depending on how they told the story, they could tell the story straight as you understand it, science fiction and, and occult on Earth. Or you can bring it in that it's from the view of people on earth seeing what's happening and trying to understand that. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you meet him for the first time, he's just, yeah, and he's all distorted kind of thing. And you're like, what the heck is that? Right. There's so much to play with. And it's a shame that it didn't run as long as it could have. And it could have. 
and they never really fully brought it back, you know, to continue that story back then. I mean, they mm-hmm. did bring in other volumes. They did continue the story. They did touch on aspects. But I'm just saying, you know, at one point, it would have been nice that they, you know, and the character doesn't show up enough. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's my other thing. Like, I mean, if you read, he's got his original series. Okay, fine. And then he shows up in Suicide Squad. So he shows up right. in his original series. He shows up in Crisis of Infinite Earths. He's got a very small couple of scenes in there. And then he shows up in Suicide Squad, if you want to kind of go in a chronological order. Mm-hmm. And then the character, you know, even though there's other books, he makes it all the way to that four-issue prestige miniseries, Kingdom, by DC Comics. He's in there, and you're like, wow, you survived all that, and he's on Earth. So you don't understand, it's like, okay, well, why are you on Earth when you have Meta? So what happened to you, your fiancé or ex-fiancé? Did they get back together or not? Mm-hmm. The, it, it, there was a lot more going on so in his thing he was a fugitive but at the same time any criminal that came through he would hunt them down and fight them while dodging his ex-fiance who's trying to kill him still dodging the OS, the, uh, the the occult research center right that's their front and he's going back and forth in dimensions and the only way to go through is sometimes he's got to go through like the 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 zero zone which is mm-hmm. I think a more of a safer route but when right. you go through the, the 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 madness, the madness zone, the M vest would help him. And that's why it's called the M vest, because the M stands for madness vest. So this is why you get some of the origins behind that. And that was a very high piece of technology. It was a prototype that ended up getting stolen. And he ended up acquiring mm-hmm. and putting it away just in case so no one else can get it. This is why there's only one M vest that's around at the time. It was a prototype. Mm-hmm. And he's using that to do what he needs to do. So he's a man of two worlds on the run. On the run. Out of his rage style. I'm telling right. you, there's, there's, there's elements of... You're saying it. I'm, I'm pulling a little Adam Strange as well from there too. So it's like... Yeah. And when you see... When I say, when you see the original series drawn, mm-hmm. because it was Steve Ditko that was drawing it, there's a lot of heavy... Especially when he deals with the occult. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of heavy Doctor Strange influences. And that's a book he drew prior to doing this character. Right. When he did the you know, you know the ORC, he drew their thing like almost like Doctor Strange's home, and the windows are very similar. The robes everyone wears, and yep. Steve Ditko draws very colorfully. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like a psychedelic experience when you're reading a Steve Ditko book. Depending what he's doing, I mean, when it comes to mm-hmm. Doctor Strange, and definitely with um, Shade the Changing Man, you can see the you can see the similarities. Very yeah, easy. you can see the similarities, man. It's got more of that kind of that kind of you know way out feel. And even the intro, like for the, the the comic book, when they were doing the advertising, you read a comic book and you have an advertisement in there for an upcoming comic book, mm-hmm. and you have him standing there on the top of the building with one fist out and one fist back, and he's got the force field and it's just, and it's distorted and contorted, and it says, "Who or what is the changing man?" I'm like, I mean, I don't know what it is, but you you ask you okay, you pose two questions, and I need to have answers. <laughs> My answer, son. Come on, son. Come on, son. <laughs> Which brings us to to this whole thing. I, I mean, let's go. Sorry, so I got through where you came about, Steve Ditko, right? And then the character was later adapted by uh, Peter Mc, uh, McGillan Ma- and Chris Bachelor. Chris, uh, yeah, Bachelor. For vertigo, for the vertigo titles, that's where that run came in. They did a phenomenal run, but we're really mm-hmm. talking about the the foundation, which is the original DC run. So, brings me to a point, Rod. Mm-hmm. Let's say we gotta put this 
to the media today. Hmm. First of all, which form are you taking? Are you going animated, series, movie? Which one are you going with, man? How do you see this playing out? I would just see this as not as not a series. I think definitely based off of the, the original. Yeah. Again, because we didn't, there wasn't enough enough um, grounds to run off of. Right. So I'm gonna go. If I'm gonna go with that, then I'm just gonna go with a movie because I'm gonna definitely go with a movie mainly for not only the the short term of the storyline, but at least give me the ability that you can now put in money into giving you that psychedelic, that, that the colorful aspect of it. So yes. the, the, the Doctor Strange 1 and 2, right. um, okay. if I'm going to even go again, is this is all those is Marvel, but Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. That, that, that Ragnarok was very colorful. Yes, it was. So you, you, can, you can pull in the colors from there and basically all that type of different dimensions and everything along that line. I feel you can get a, a good story and build a nice, a nice following off of that. You know, it, if run right, good storyline and everything like that, you could definitely turn into a possible, a possible cult, cult following in the sense that if people really like that, something can, you know, it's going to gravitate to the right people. Yes. And I think that this, a movie aspect will be great that it could just gravitate to the right the right fan base, and then to be able to draw in, and then use that as a kickoff for something later on. Putting it as a series right now, I think it might just get lost, it might get diluted in that sense. Right, right, okay, gotcha. And, gotcha. and, and go from that end. So I would rather, if anything, hit that with a movie and go from there. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I don't think there's a but there. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm full out. It wouldn't be a series. It would have to be a movie. If it was a series, it'd have to be like a limited series. So I would go with yeah. a movie to have the bigger budget, or I would have to go with a good, well done cartoon. But it would have to be a cartoon that would be, you know, aimed more at like uh, older teenagers and up. I don't right. want to lose the essence of that movie. The whole right. fugitive thing. I mean, look this way. The fugitive, even though it was a TV series, mm-hmm. did play a good movie. Yeah, it did turn into a good movie. Harrison Ford, the future, you know, and Wesley Snipes do it. So I like those ones. So I'm with mm-hmm. you on that. Give me the big budget. Give me the the um, the color palette from mm-hmm. you know. I, I get with Doctor Strange and all that. I would even you know Aquaman. Aquaman was a yeah, really, that was another one. Yeah, very colorful movie by very DC. Colorful. Yeah, I, I liked how they portrayed Atlantis. It was so. I'm gonna you know if we go stay in that wheelhouse, we stay in that wheelhouse. Give me a movie now. Does it need a trilogy? No. No, no, that's what no, I'm saying. No, I think no. this is just good as a standalone for the time being. Yes. and see what builds off of there. So at least with a trilogy, you know, you have to have a story with a what you know, what if continue off into an act three, act four, going in right. that aspect of it. Right. But if this one will be good enough, three acts, one, two, three, one story. Done. Let's call it and see what goes from there. Let's put it this way: Warner Brothers. Not every movie needs Has to be a trilogy. To be facts. Facts. Right? Not every movie needs to Facts. be a trilogy. Sometimes the best ones are one and done. They don't need a reboot. Just one and done. Just put your eggs all in one basket. Advertise it correctly. Walk away. If fans want more, then decide on how you want to go about it. But not every Correct. movie needs to be a trilogy. I know they're trying to build franchises all the time. There's other ways to build a franchise. Give it a good movie right. and then maybe follow up with a cartoon. Give it a good Correct. movie, bring back a book. Right. So, right. There we go. So that's my two cents. Now, brings me down to this point of it. You know mm-hmm. what we do. What do we do it? We talk about it, we joke about it, and then we fan cast it. Rock. Mm. Who's your rack shade? 
Okay, so I'm going to go with someone who has some type of uh, action type of uh, background. You know, he's been in a couple of uh, series. Again, he's been in a couple of, he's been in a series, uh, the Divergent, the Insurant, uh, Insurgent, uh, Elegant, uh, Elegant, I can't even pronounce that, it's the third one. Right. Intelligent, yeah, and intelligent. intelligent. Oh, yeah, I I mean, you know which one, right? So if you can find it from here, I'm talking about Theo James. Theo James, one of the main one, number four, from Divergent. Oh, Divergent. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, oh. so I will, I will go with him. I believe I, I had, I had cast Theo for something a good while, maybe last year in, in last year's season for something. But I'm like, you know what? He has he has the ability, the athleticism to be that type of character. Again, you gotta be all action. Like I said, from the beginning, he started off pure action. Um, he's now fighting through the city, trying to you know being like the fugitive in that regard. So we're just giving him we're just giving him a it's a Harrison Ford. This is you see how that's Harrison Ford, and then you went with you went with uh, Wesley to give him that athletic aspect. Okay, we're gonna give him a younger. Wesley, more athletic. He can just he can he can bounce off the walls. Now he's flying and being contorting in a couple of scenes. He's flying and floating over someone and just fighting in the air like type of scenario. Listen, I believe uh, Mr. Theo James will be able to proceed in a proper manner of giving us a great action flick in that realm. Okay. Touche. Touche indeed, cuz touche mm. indeed. Wow. Okay. So this this is who I'm going with. Yeah, I looked at a guy who can play characters. Mm -hmm. The way I vision it is, if we're going in a movie, no matter what medium it is, I'm going live action. So I'm just saying, live action movie. I wanted a guy who was good at character acting. I wanted a guy who was fun and, and as a character and as an actor to watch, entertain. And I wanted someone that can do different dialects. Mm -hmm. Now, hear me why. I know a lot of times when we watch this stuff, we don't know what shade sounds like. Facts. I think it would be even more fun okay. because you always get actors either from, you know, North America, across the pond in the UK, right. mm -hmm. and they have to say, well, I have to do a, a, a Chicago accent through this whole movie. You mm -hmm. know, I got to do, I mean, look, Idris Alba, right. you don't hear him. Talk. There's times where he's he's got his true accent and there's other times he doesn't. There's another actor, and I can't remember, he's another black actor, but he's in that show, uh, uh, Chicago Fire PD. He's like the chief. Uh, he was. He's the chief of that okay. force. He was also the bad guy in Blood and Bone. Um, okay. And when you see him, he he's got a very impressive bulk and physique. And when I saw the movie Blood and Bone with Michael J. White, I was like, "Yo, this guy is fire!" And then I heard him talking. I'm like, "Brother, you from the UK?" <laughs> right. Oh, Emil Walker. Yes, yes. He's from, and a lot of people don't realize he's from the UK. Mm. So, it, you know, cheerio. I mean, right? And I'm not hating on that. He puts on that Chicago accent. In my mind, why Why does it have to be one? So here's what it is. When he's on meta, I want someone to talk a certain way. You can have whatever accent you want to have. Talk your okay. real voice. When you come over, I want you to show your talent and switch and your voice. And switch over. Because now you're in, you're, you're in America, right? So you're not going to be... So that's where my thought was going because I want okay. someone that's able to blend in. If you're a super spy, you shouldn't Facts. be able okay. to Facts. change just how it does in Mission Impossible, but they use little voice boxes. But why do that? Have someone that can really turn around. Like, look at Thomas. Thomas, our boy Thomas, 
right? Patrice, yeah. who's, he can turn around and he can do a, a German dialect, an English dialect, uh, an, an, an Indian dialect. He's a black man. He can do a West Indian dialect. And you wouldn't, if you close your eyes, you would not know who you were talking to. And I want someone like that. So this is who I'm going with. Mm-hmm. My guy, Shade, right? This guy, he's, he's been in the DC universe before. He's done sci-fi before. He, he's uh, a lead in a series even right now. You know, and it's popular and people love the show. Mm. And uh, he would stand out because he's got that look. So I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going with uh, and, and, and if I pronounce his name, Y'all, y'all can, you know, y'all define me, Barry3D.com. Yeah, just saying, come on, man. Uh, so I'm thinking it's, uh, it's either Killian Murphy or Cillian Murphy is his real name. But he's the lead actor from Peaky Blinders. Okay. He, yeah. He's the main guy in Peaky Blinders. Okay. Right? Now, first of all, huh? He also played Scarecrow in the Christopher Nolan Batman with Christopher right. Hale. Mm-hmm. He was also in the movie Inception, yeah. where they had to go and kidnap a certain guy and keep going into his thoughts all the time. He was in the second Tron movie, the live-action one. He mm-hmm. was playing, and he only had a small role in that. I thought he would have a bigger one. He was playing the son of Sarek, who was the villain in the first Tron movie in the real world. Right. Right? So he shows up all these places. Now, I, I thought, you know, I never watched the show Peaky Blinders yet. I've seen a couple of commercials, and i got to get into that series. So, yeah, it's shame on me. And I thought this guy was full out, you know, UK. And when I say UK, I'm talking like London, England. And realize that when I'm looking at him and here, you know, he's, um, he's, hold on. From Ireland. Hmm? He's from Ireland. He's from Ireland. But I've heard him do an American accent. Yeah. The look he has, he's good with this whole, you know, torture and peaky blinders. I mean, from what I've seen, a couple of commercials and, and the trailers and all that, he's a, he's a bad man. He, he looks like he can take people out because he does. He has the intelligence and the fact that, you know, and he was to be a lead singer in a band too. So my whole point is let him talk in his native dialect mm-hmm. when he's in meta. When he comes over okay. to America and, and can't, you know, America and he's in an apartment, and he's got to be shade. Let him say, Oh, yeah, I got to go and hide my voice because I got to deal with gangsters. I got to change my and talk as an American dialect. Mm-hmm. I think that adds more to the character. He's got the look. He can do the tortured soul. He is intelligent. He plays those characters. He plays those strong characters too. And he can play those twisted characters. And Shade is a little bit damaged. And so to see him playing this character and being noble, because all the time he's always playing people a little bit questionable. This time, Mm -hmm. you know, take that. Be be more the good guy, but you got to cut some corners because you're being chased at the same time. I so believe he can handle this. And that's who I want to see as uh, Rack Shade. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Celia Celia Murphy. Celia Murphy, yes. Yes, okay. that, that's 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 my guy right there, no question about it. So okay. and, you know, and in, in he plays uh, Tommy Shelby in Peaky mm-hmm. Blinders. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> like he's so impressive, and especially the work he's done. 
Peaky Blinders, the one that everyone is going to say, yeah. But then when you think about it, it's like, well, yeah, he's been in all those things that Barry just said. Right. Right? Yeah. Right? So let's bring him back to DC. Let's make him the leading man. Don't tell him, oh, yeah, just use an American. No, no. Speak in your native dialect, man, when you're on meta, because we don't know what type of meta. It's like when you watch Lord of the Rings. I didn't realize everyone in Middle Earth had English accents. Facts. Facts. Okay, right? So so let's play around with it a little bit more. If you really want to be a a visual audio kind of media that we're in, the actor, let him speak for part of the movie. Every time he's on meta, let him speak in his native tongue. Maybe that's how they all talk there. Doesn't not everything has to be a proper English accent. Let's let's really diverse and go back there. Let him speak in his dialect. But when he comes over, because he's undercover, mm-hmm. he's got to fit in. Right. Right. Then you hear him talking. So people are like, "Wait a minute! Did he just change his voice?" Yes, because he's a secret agent, and secret agents have to blend. You know, it, how many times do you hear fans say? Oh well, you know what? Wanda Maximoff should have an uh, 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 an accent, okay? Or you know, this character should have an accent. That character mm-hmm. should have an accent. We don't know how Rack R- R- sounds, so let's give him one for the fun of it. When he's right. home, he's comfortable, right? Right? He doesn't have to hide his voice. But when he's here, and I think that there would help with the the differentiation between the two worlds when he's bouncing back and forth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think as an actor, that would be even more fun for him. So this is who I'm going with. Give it kind of the fugitive feel. Let it be sci-fi when he's on home world, so to speak, like meta. And when he comes mm-hmm. over to Earth, let them play it as in we know it's science. But for everyone perceiving it, sees it yes. as almost magic. Right. Demons, with monsters. You don't know it's someone's possessed. We don't understand that. We know, oh, he's wearing an M-vest. Right. But I mean, the, the crowd knows he's wearing an M vest. He knows he's wearing that M vest. Right. But for people acting around when he's in, in on Earth, they're in the like, surrounding oh, areas. Crowd, yep. Is he possessed? Right. We've got to go and reach out to the occult. We found someone that's possessed, not realizing they're just ratting out someone who just came over from the dimension, from their home dimension. Okay. Whew. All right. That's, okay. That's my, that's my two cents. All right. All right. That's a, that's a, that's a good run. I, I, I can say silly and serious. He's a good choice. He's definitely is a good choice. I can I can see him as well. I can see him as well, giving that um, having the uh, the the season the season the season actor in that sense. So you know at least as a agent, a secret agent as well. So yeah, mine will be a younger secret agent, but yours yes. will be an older secret agent. But okay, I can see I can see that. Yeah. So okay. I think we got two good picks, right? So you got Ooh. so your who's your boy again? Mine is, is Theo James. Right? And I got Cillian Murphy. So we'll see what happens. Now, for everyone watching at home, let's just say this. Everyone that's listening to this podcast, put your comments below on our YouTube channel or wherever you see us on social media. We're very active. Put your comments below. Let us know if we're on the right track. Or Mm -hmm. let us know if there's someone else you can see playing this character. I'd be interested in having that fun, friendly debate. And to mention it before, we've had it before on the show where we bring on guests and then sometimes people like comments and we, we, we acknowledge your comments. Yeah. So, talk about it. Yeah. Don't, definitely. don't, 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 don't be shy. Don't let me pull a Max Hedrum on you. Don't be shy. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> Can't take this guy nowhere. No, Holy. this is why we do the show from home. Yeah. Makes sense now. <laughs> you don't let me out the house. <laughs> West Queen Rabbit. Mm. Man, any more notes, Ben? On this closing note, we're going to wrap this up. Right? Listen, um, no, you know what? I'm, I'm good. You know, definitely, we both got some good, got some good choices. Uh, the character shade is, uh, is a unique one. 
and definitely will he's basically just in a gap of action and having that that science not the science fiction but that fantasy type of yes. occult type of you know kind of world so basically it's just like filling a nice gap in there so it, it it's it's there's a nice balance with him so yeah that character will be a good and you know hopefully people will you know pick it up um w we see w b w we'll just see w b just letting you know people yeah right on right on you know and um listen we got some we got something for you put it in the list listen 2024 is not that far off start looking now you still got time you still got time i'm just saying right on just right saying on. so on that note Steve Ditko heard it, and, and, and well, I mean, didn't hear it, but Steve Ditko had that imagination, and he did what he had to do. And what mm-hmm. did Steve Ditko do? He took a pencil, a piece of mm-hmm. paper, and he had lots of imagination, and he kept on dreaming. Do the same. This is the Iconist Podcast. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Barry3D, along mm-hmm. with DJ Rod C. Like, share, like, share, and let's send it out. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We out. Now I got to find my vest because I look good in a sweater vest. Guy just said guy just said a sweater vest. Yeah yeah I did. I, I did man. I look good in a sweater vest man. Bring back the nineties dance videos. My love is a <laughs> what? Love it for the people. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>